0: Hey John here, welcome back to another episode. This one we're gonna get into pandemic proofing your business. And so when I say that, the very first question that you might have is, well, why worry about it? So let me let me talk about that a little bit. If you look just in the US, and I'm sure you could look at other countries and probably find a similar pattern, maybe even worse, Um, But if you look at the US, you'll see uh, the most recent US recessions. So 2020, 2008, 2001, 1990, 1981, 1973, 1970. You can go all the way back to the start of the US and what you will find is that there's some kind of recession every 10 years or so. So these things are constantly coming up and constantly happening. Yet what I find, or what I see a lot, is people tend to fool themselves into believing that this recession is the last one, or that somehow the economy is going to, to get fixed, and there's, you know, maybe there's some new party in power or some new politician that's going to fix everything, um, and, and this will be the last time that we have to deal with them uh, with this, and people sort of fool themselves into thinking that that's actually going to happen. Well, the sobering reality is it hasn't happened for nearly 250 years, um, from all the way back to the start of, of this country. So you're probably going to, in your life, face another two or three or four or five recessions or more. If it happens every 10 years, I personally will probably face another four to five recessions in my lifetime that i'm gonna have to deal with um that are are going to be in a lot of ways devastating to a lot of people so knowing that knowing that it's coming knowing that it it doesn't matter again the political side of it is really irrelevant through all of the last 250 years when this was happening there's been all sorts of people in power and and different parties and all of that uh, lots of promises made and so forth and yet the recessions continue to happen so Again, knowing all that, knowing that it's coming uh, more likely than not at some point, why not be a little bit prepared for it? To not just survive and not be taken by surprise by it or completely wiped out by it, but also they th- these recessions tend to to represent opportunity. For example, uh, when when the the stock market sort of tanked when the coronavirus started, I actually at that time went in and bought several. Key stocks when they were at a really, really uh, low price point. Now, you know, uh, a year or more later, a lot of those stocks have started uh, to to resurrect and come back. And I had to wait, um, but now I've, you know, I've probably quadrupled or more the money that I invested at that particular time because in those those recessions it's not just a downside there's an opportunity as well so why not position yourself to not only survive but actually be able to grow uh, through those recessions as well I think that's what smart people do Um, I think that's what people who tend to be wealthy do and so what I want to show you in this episode is really my approach to the whole thing how I deal with it Um, and and how I I think about pandemic proofing, not only my business and my life. When I say pandemic proof, you know, I mean pandemic recession, whatever the cause is, uh, that's really what I'm talking about. So that's what we're gonna get into. And for me, this was a, a lesson learned the hard way. It's all colored by what happened to my family when I was a kid. And to put it very simply, my dad wasn't very responsible. I didn't know that at the time, but as an adult now who knows more about all this, I can say that it was really kind of his fault. He, he really was the one to blame. Might, might sound harsh, but that's really just the reality of it. So what happened is in, in 1989, my dad, my little brother and I, we were in a car wreck and that car wreck was, was pretty devastating. You know, we were all injured pretty badly. My dad chipped a uh, part of his spinal cord. Now, well, they Today they call it, that turned into today what they call a high-functioning paraplegic. So most of the time when you think of a paraplegic, it's someone who you know has no feeling or movement from the neck down. My dad's was a little different because his spinal cord wasn't completely severed. It was just chipped. And so what happened is that uh, the nerves from his neck down would just sort of fire erratically. So he has to take special medication. Uh, all the time no matter what that just keeps his nerves from doing that in order to just be able to 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 function otherwise he would be in just constant spasms uh all the time cuz his nerves would be all out of whack so he takes this special medication that he has since uh since he had that that wreck and that allows him to you know for a long time he was able to walk he actually worked for after this accident believe it or not he actually worked for several years uh, at uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart in Nebraska, and he would he would deliver furniture, and he I mean he would he wa- could walk. He was using a dolly. He would carry furniture around. This was all after this accident uh, had happened to him. The problem was that he did like most people do. He had minimums on his auto insurance. There was no he didn't have any health insurance. There was no business insurance. He didn't have any savings. He accrued, had accrued a ton of debt to start a business. He had a fairly successful plumbing business. Um, but after all of this happened, he really he wasn't able to start that business back up. There was the physical side of it. But he had accrued so much business debt and didn't have any kind of insurances that now he was on the hook for that debt. And after the accident, it took him a whole year. to He had to relearn how to... eat and and how to write and do all of the relearn all of the muscle memory that we all sort of take uh, for for granted he had to relearn all of that stuff so he was out of commission for a full year and the business of course tanked he wasn't able to pay debts he had all this health these health bills that he now had to pay that he didn't have insurance for uh, and so on and he was reliant on Uh, A court case against the 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 lady that had hit us that ended up not going his way, and so he was stuck with the bill for all of this stuff, and again didn't have any insurance or anything like that to help kind of get through it. Now, you know, a lot of people might look at that and 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 think, well, dang, that that's not his fault. He didn't plan to get in that accident. He didn't, you know he 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 didn't uh it wasn't something that he did on purpose or anything like that which is true but at the same time again me older as an adult and maybe it's my military experience coloring my perception a little bit but you know he had every opportunity to to do things to make sure no matter what happened uh he 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 would be able to 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 survive that all this bad stuff wouldn't happen to him he could have had business insurance he could have had health insurance and i today as an adult like it's hard for me the way that i think about things to understand not having uh those sort of things now i understand not everybody's gonna agree with that uh perception but ultimately what happened is this whole experience it essentially ruined his life uh, and it made my childhood, my family's life, uh, uh, as tough as it was, and it made his life uh, as tough as it was. Ever since then, never really, I would say, f- uh, fully recovered uh, from that. Even to this day, still, still affects him. Obviously, the physical side, but also the the financial side. So it was a it was a hard lesson. Again, whether you agree with my perception of it or not, as a child, that's a really. That's a really poignant lesson to learn as a, a young child, to see that happen, to go from essentially living a middle-class life to suddenly, you know, having your life thrown upside down and in disarray, watching this happen to your dad and to your family, watching your family's life essentially be, be thrown upside down. That was, a, again, a very powerful lesson that re- that really stuck with me. And it sort of colors all of, uh, of this and the way that I view things Um, And it is maybe why I am so proactive about how I plan and prep for things that no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to be prepared. Of course, I did what probably a lot of people do, and this is where I get to eat a little bit of humble pie here. But later as an adult, I honestly wasn't much better. I had what I call, still had what I call that poor man's mentality, which is this idea, ah, it'll all work out. I always say people who watch too many movies, which I love movies. I watch a bunch of movies. Um, but, you know, in movies, the, the good guys always tend to, to win in the end. I kind of make that joke with my boys from time to time. We'll be watching a movie or a show or whatever. And I'll always say, yeah, but the good guys win in the end because that's how movies tend to go. And people tend to start to believe that that's actually how things are going to be but you know i've seen that it doesn't always work out in the end not just with my dad but in the military you know when i was deployed to iraq i saw plenty of situations where it didn't work out in the end for people and it's it's a really sobering lesson to learn but at that point in my life i hadn't learned that lesson and so uh i was at that time I was actually doing well in my freelance business i was on retainer with a client I was earning about six thousand dollars a month from that specific retainer in total i think I was around twelve thousand a month uh in revenue between all of my freelance clients I really hadn't started doing anything with online courses or anything at that point so this is all freelance work and I'd done what most people do right the American dream bought a big house got a new car i was spending stupidly on i think i had five big screen TVs at once, and just a bunch of nonsense that I didn't need. And somehow, I wasn't paying off debt. I had all this debt that I was making monthly payments on, but I wasn't actually focused on getting aggressive and paying it down. I just sort of had in my head that this was going to go on forever, um, and I just was hoping it would work out in the long run and so forth. And then I had what I call the pucker moment, (laughs) which is... The initial signs of trouble, the, the initial something wasn't right and, and it became a huge wake up call for me. So it, what happened is that particular client of mine started had, having trouble in their business and they started to mention things or make little side comments here and there yeah we really need to you know make things work this month or need to get the revenue up or whatever i wasn't involved in any of that i was just a developer at the time but it was just a little side comments that that stuck out to me eventually uh they they told me or asked me if i would be willing to cut back on my what i was doing for them and move down to four thousand dollars a month with that particular client and then ultimately it got all the way down they really had trouble and it got all the way down to where it was uh $1000 a month that i was on retainer for that client so over a fairly short period of time i went from $6000 a month retainer all the way down to $1000 a month retainer with one particular client that's a huge drop and you know for i think for a lot of people that would be devastating that would be life-changing that might just like sort of kill um, everything you know that can't make the house payment can't make the car payment that sort of thing now i was fortunate that i had been through what i went through as a child it made me uh not take things for granted it also made me a little bit of a fighter i was used to fighting for for what i wanted i was used to having to scratch and claw and so forth um, and I found that, find that a lot of people are the opposite. They clam up, they sort of check out. I've watched clients of mine do that. In fact, when this particular client, when things got tough, they, they would suddenly like disappear for a week um, and you couldn't get anything out of them. And they weren't doing anything. They were just sort of sitting around feeling sorry for themselves. And you know that's like the worst mentality to have when something like this is happening happening so i've seen other people have the opposite response to this sort of situation that wasn't my response when the first initial signs that something wasn't right started cropping up i paid attention to it and i started planning that's when that was like like i said a huge wake-up call for me um and i realized look this may not go on forever and i need to start uh, adjusting i was still making good money at the time um but the way I had constructed my life and all the debt that I had and the payments that I had, you know, that drop would have just killed me. So I started planning and working. By the time it actually got down to $1,000, I was almost wanting it to. I'd done so much prepping and planning and changing up my business. I was almost wanting to not be on retainer with them anymore because I was ready to move on. Now I've worked with them a really long time. They're like family to me. So you know, it's hard to just just walk away. But I had got to the point where I was ready to just sort of be done with it. And I was almost wanting it to, to, to be over by the time it got to that point, and I had made up enough uh, of the income to where it wasn't going to be and made a bunch of changes in my life to where it wasn't going to be uh, an issue. So that was sort of my approach and my mentality to the whole thing. And in a way, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because that moment made me reevaluate everything. And that's one of the things, if you take nothing else from this particular episode, is I want you to take some time and really just evaluate your situation. Are you actually doing the things that you wanna do? Are all of the things that you have and maybe that you're buying or whatever, do you really need it? Do you really want it? Is that what you really want? Or are you just following this idea that's been put in your head of what success is supposed to look like? Because I realized, as I started thinking about it more and more, I had a really big house, I had a really nice car. We live in a really great neighborhood. We literally lived right on the backside of the elementary school. My kids could walk. Like a minute uh, to school, and you know it was it was sort of if you again were to package up the American dream and, and take a picture of it, it's sort of what it was. But I realized that I didn't really care about any of that. You know, I could live in a cave in the middle of nowhere, and I wouldn't care as long as what I was I was doing what I loved on a daily basis. My kids actually didn't really like going to school, and we were more we were more along the lines of homeschooling. And and I had wanted to homeschool my kids for years. My wife, she didn't, she grew up similar to me. She didn't need like all of the space. She had a little, she had a little room in the house where she, she had a TV and a little chair that she would sit in and she'd watch TV and you know hang out with the the kids and we'd hang out in there and it it was just a small little space that she needed. She didn't need all of the. I had a big basement downstairs that i was trying to find stuff to put in like all the walls were empty there's all of these shelves that were just empty and i started trying to find things to put in there we were like making up stuff to try and use all this space because that's just not our personality it's just not how we are you know now today i ha- we live in a tiny house and i have a little you know a little spot in the one of the corners with a, a l-shaped desk and some computers and stuff it's not a it's not a huge space i don't need some big office Uh, to do what I do and I like it it's nice and cozy and it's perfect uh, for me and so I realized as I started thinking about all of this and really started to ask myself some tough questions I didn't need all of this stuff that I was putting into my life I was trying to fill a void uh, with stuff that was never going to fill that void and so what it really came down to is me wanting to do what I love on a daily basis which is teaching which is this, what I'm doing right here, right now. And so I reoriented my life entirely around that. That's why we moved to Missouri, I mean, a big part of it. Obviously my wife was uh, uh, involved in that and she had her reasons. But for me, that was the big reason why we moved down here. We bought some land, we built a tiny house. Um, I've eliminated essentially all of my debt no mortgage, no car payment, no credit cards. I paid off several of her student loans, several of my student loans. I have one student loan left that really the only reason (laughs) I paid it off is because there's the potential that those student loans might get forgiven. So I'm just sort of waiting that out to see what's gonna happen there. But if that doesn't go through, then I'll I'll pay it off and uh, be done with it. But that's the one piece of debt that I still have left from back then, Um, and that's it. There's, there, there's nothing everything else has been paid off. And so when you do that, it it, it extreme it lowers your overhead extremely. I could live on probably around a thousand dollars a month. That's how radically I've reduced my debt. I have you know a utility bill that I have to pay, which is not much, especially here where I live. you know food <laughs> that's I mean food, that's about it. I, there's not much more. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a car payment. I don't have any of that stuff. I've paid all of that stuff off, you know. The only things that I really pay for it, I think, internet. I got to pay for, um, and then it's all want-to stuff: you know, Netflix and Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and all of those sorts of things that I want to have. That if I really needed to, I could just completely get rid of. So again, I could probably, if I absolutely had to, I could live on less than a thousand dollars a month. That's how radically I've reduced my debt. It was, I mean, it was seven, 000, eight thousand dollars a month I needed back when i was doing what i was doing before in order to to each month in order to to pay all of my bills just at like a minimum that didn't include the like all the want to stuff so again radically reduced uh my debt and my overhead that's allowed me to be able to invest in crypto stocks mutual funds and i i I add more to that every day and i'm constantly doing that that's what set me up to be able to to make some investments back when the, the coronavirus hit and these stocks were way down and I was pretty confident that these ones were gonna go back up once everything kind of got back to normal and they have. Um, so, But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the money saved up to be able to, to make those investments. And all of that then sort of orient, orients around and allows me to be able to do what I love, to teach what I want um, and in a way where I don't have to worry about the, the financial side as much. I can come on here and teach what I actually think and what I actually believe and what I actually want to teach as opposed to having to constantly think about, will this be a big hit? Are people gonna, you know, will this go viral? Is this gonna be popular? Am I gonna make a bunch of money off of this or that or whatever? That's not what it's about for me because I don't have to worry about that. I've built my life in such a way where that's not a consideration. Um, I'd have to do really terrible <laughs> to not be able to make $1,000 a month. So the point is is that it's true freedom. That to me that's what true freedom is. So many people in their heads they think of it in terms of oh I want to make a million dollars. I want to make all of this money and that's what's going to going to going to set me free. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you can actually do it the other way by being smart about, you know, how you how you spend your money, the thing really assessing what it is that you think you need in your life, radically reducing debt then you can you can have true freedom without having to be so focused on making a whole bunch of money okay that that's that's really the point here and so like like i said that's the flip side of this you are padam- pandemic recession collapse proofing your business and your life yes that's part of what this is we're making we're insulating you from all of the potential bad things that could happen but also creating true freedom where you're not tied to a job or even your business even a freelance business, like I talk about all the time. There's lots of freedom in a freelance business, but it's not complete true freedom where you can do exactly what you wanna do on a daily basis, minute after minute, hour after hour. You still have to work with clients. You still have to perform work that maybe you don't wanna do that day. So again, it's not that true kind of freedom. Now, yeah, you're still gonna work. Uh, I mean, I still work, but it's because I'm doing something I love. I've been waiting to get on here, finding, being able to find a time to be able to get on here and record this episode, because I've really wanted to talk about this. I've just, you know, I've got a baby in the house. I've got other people that live here. I've, I've had to sort of work around that, but I'm excited to get on here and do this. I'm excited to, to go to work. And I just wanna say, I wanna pr- kinda, the caveat on all of this, I'm talking a lot about myself, and it might seem like this is just me being arrogant or whatever. I'm simply conveying my own experience, okay? So I don't want you to read too much into this in terms of I'm trying to talk smack or whatever. It's really just about me conveying my experience to you. And I've experienced something that has been really powerful for me and I want to share that with others. So um, the only way I relate to it is through my own experience and that's why I'm talking about my own situation as much as I am. So anyway, Again, you can you can you can create all of this and you can do it without being becoming a mega millionaire. So that's the whole point of this. That's a sort of a that's a really long introduction, but I really want to hammer home why this is so important. So with that said, let's go ahead and jump into then what to actually do, how to actually create this. And this is really essentially kind of my 8-point plan. Um, it's the things that I think about on a regular basis and how I'm constantly positioning and, and I'm not a prepper, right? I'm not this isn't a prepper thing. I'm not stacking MREs in my bunker or anything like that. This is this is more about positioning yourself. Tweaks that you can make um, that that aren't you necessarily just, you know, going all in on this is this this recession's coming and it's going to to end the world and all that sort of thing. That's not what it's about. It's about you know it's come. There's something coming at some point, and so you just want to position yourself for when it happens. You're both protected and have the ability to find ways to grow and actually benefit uh, through those things that come up, those those situations that arise. Okay, so first one, obviously, radically eliminate debt. I've mentioned this several times, but this is probably the most important. It's the linchpin, sort of, of all of this. My older brother is a perfect example of this so i've talked about him he used to be an insurance agent and you know he didn't really enjoy it it wasn't what he wanted to do in life he did it because it was good money and he along with that he also ran a few other business and like i said through with all of the things combined he actually made uh, pretty decent money but they were constantly still broke even though they had a good revenue coming in they were constantly broke because they did the same thing i i was doing they spent money on dumb stuff and so they had huge amounts of debt, so much debt that they couldn't keep up with it. And so one day he had an epiphany. I, It's, it's kind of funny for me to think back on, him and I never had a discussion about it. We never really talked much about it, um, but the change in him was, you could see it, it was like immediate. And it was actually after my wife and I decided to move to Missouri and build a tiny house. We had sold our house and we'd moved and talking to him now after the fact about it, for him that was like a big moment. Of the entire time before my wife and actually, my wife and I actually moved, people had been asking about it, asking us about it, and I kept saying, "Hey, we've we've talked about it because we had we had talked about it for years, wanting to build a tiny house." She would watch, you know, the TV shows on people building tiny houses and all that stuff. Like we were into it. This is a thing that we talked about for a few years wanting to do and I, I reached a point where I was like I'm sick of talking about it either we're going to do it or I don't want to talk about it anymore because we just keep talking I hate when people keep talking about something they're going to do and they just never do it and it reaches a point where you're like you know they're never going to do it uh, but they just continue to talk about it and I'm like I'm not going to be that person I don't want to be that person that drives me nuts and so uh, I kept talking about that as sort of the the reason why. So we've talked about it for years. All of our family knew we had talked about it for years. We talked with them about it. And I said, I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. I wanna do it. So either we're gonna do it or we're gonna stop talking about it. So we decided to do it. And you know, talking to him now, like I said, he said that was a real sort of wake up call for him because it was like he saw someone doing, not necessarily exactly, he didn't wanna do exactly what we were doing, but he saw someone doing exactly uh or or roughly what he wanted to do with his life and it was like it's time he he, it was time for him to start doing it or quit talking about it and he completely changed his life I mean to be honest with you you know he was he was dealing with an alcohol problem at the time yo was overweight tons of debt just not in a really good place he completely changed all of it stopped drinking immediately started getting healthier. I mean, he lost like 60 pounds. They, As I mentioned, I I think I have it on here at some point. Yeah, so he got serious. He quit selling insurance and he started driving over the road. And within a year, they eliminated over $42,000 in debt in one single year, which is amazing. And and it was essentially everything but their student loans. Now, uh, and then right after that, they sold their house. They made over $50,000 on their house or something, somewhere around there, I don't know exactly. And they moved to their dream town in Minnesota. So they had um, lived in this town in Minnesota. They loved it there. He had left to come back to Nebraska and be closer to his older two daughters um, that didn't live with him. And they had graduated, his two daughters had graduated and they had sort of moved on. And so him and his wife decided to move back to this town in Minnesota that they loved. And after he had paid off all of the debt, they had radically reduced their debt. Their monthly overhead was super low because they didn't have all this debt uh, uh, stacked on on them that they were trying to make payments on, and so forth. He got a job coaching football, which is what he loves, and he's able to do it at a small school that he doesn't make a he doesn't really make that much money, right? He doesn't. They don't pay a ton at schools like that. Now his wife has a good job up there. And so she actually makes most of the money now, and um, that's how they, you know, that's part of how they cover everything. But he doesn't make much, and yet he's still able to do it, and they're able to still still live comfortably uh, and do what he loves on a daily basis, and she does what she loves on a daily basis because they have almost no debt and they don't spend stupidly. So, point being is again, you don't have to be this mega millionaire and focus on constantly making all of this money. If you really take some time to reduce debt and think about the things that you actually want and need in your life and what matters most, and I, it's one of those things where you can tell someone until you're blue in the face. You've probably heard before, hey, you know, figure out what you want, what you love to do in life, figure out what matters to you, and just focus on that. You probably heard, I'd heard it a thousand times you don't really understand it until you do it. So let me just add to the pile of people that have told you, you're gonna be a lot happier if if that's what you do. So again, that that's sort of his story. And like I said, he gets to do what he loves day in and day out, and he's more, more happy. It's funny because everybody knew, everybody that knew him knew that he wasn't gonna be happy until he started coaching football, that that's what he wanted to, that's what his passion uh, in life was. And then he was able to create a way to do it. And that he's, I mean, he's happier than I've ever seen him. And in total, they actually make less than they did before, but they have more money because they've reduced so much debt. They lived where they've always dreamed of living. They both work in dream jobs. They're just simply happier in every aspect of their life. Now, as far as the process, it's really pretty simple. You've likely heard of it, Um, but just in case you haven't actually had anybody tell you this before, it's essentially for reducing debt. Is essentially called the snowball. So what you do is you select one piece of debt that you're going to knock out first. Usually your high interest debt. Um, you know you can think about that a little bit. There's a balance between you know if you have a hundred thousand dollars in in you know high interest debt, um, and you have you know two thousand dollars on the smaller maybe lower interest debt. Maybe you pay off the two thousand dollars. one first because that $1,000 is going to take a while, or $100,000 is going to take a while for you to pay off. I mean, there's a balance there, but usually it's your highest interest debt that you're going to pay off credit cards, is is what it is often for most people. And so, what you do is you would, if it's credit cards, you take one credit card, you put everything else on minimum payments. If you can get forbearances, you get forbearances on, on everything, and you try to squeeze out as much money as you can that you are able to pay towards debt. You get rid of your Netflix and your Disney Plus and all the things that you don't absolutely need and be absolutely ruthless with this. It's not gonna be forever, okay? It's just for this extreme debt elimination period. Be ruthless with it and get rid of all of that stuff. And then you put all of that extra money towards this one piece of debt and pay it off as quick as possible. So. Instead of paying, you know, uh, payments on everything, right? You're paying a hundred here, hundred there, whatever. You know, maybe you can pay five hundred dollars toward a high interest credit card every month, or a thousand. You're able to figure out, and then you know you're, you you're able to pay that off really, really quickly. The whole point is to get that first piece of debt paid off as quickly as possible, and that starts the snowball. Once it's paid off, you roll that payment into the money that you're paying. Uh, all the money that you're paying towards debt. So, if I was paying, you know, I, I had a thousand dollars that I was paying towards this debt, and now I get that one paid off. I'm gonna then turn and focus that to another piece of debt, and the payment that I was making, uh, you know, the the hundred dollar payment that was going to the other card gets rolled into the snowball. And as you pay off each debt, you're able to each piece of debt, you're able to make a larger payment uh, every month towards these other pieces of debt and it sort of snowballs that's why it's called a snowball uh, until you're paying huge chunks uh, every month towards your debt and getting it paid off as quick as possible and that was how they were able to pay off $42,000 in debt in one year they didn't start off paying you know uh, they didn't start off paying $3,000 a month towards their debt they started off at maybe 500 or or 1000 but then it snowballed and became 1500 and then it became 2500 and then it became 3000 And next thing you know, they're just paying off huge amounts of debt. They also did sell stuff that they didn't need, so they had a lot of stuff that they sold. He had some photo booths he sold. They decluttered, and they then took all of that money that they I think they had a car they even sold. Um, and they took all that money, and instead of blowing it, they spent it on reducing debt. And that's how they were able to do it. So that's that's sort of the snowball. And that's what I mean by radically eliminate debt. For most people, just a year or two of this, you'd be surprised. If you actually sat down and did the math, for most people, just a year or two of this kind of radical debt elimination, and your financial situation would be a thousand times better. It took them. It took them a year to basically unbury themselves. That forty-two thousand basically got them unburied. They did it again uh, the next year, and then that put them sort of on the positive side of things to where now they weren't underneath water, they were, in, or just keeping their head above water, they were standing fully above water and they were in a much better financial position. And that's really the, the key to, to all of this because when the next pandemic hits or the next recession hits, you're not going to be thinking about all of this debt and all of these payments that I have, how am I gonna make these payments, et cetera, et cetera you're you're going to have extra money sitting there that you can start to think a different way. Hey, are there is there something I can invest in that is down right now that I know is going to go back up? Uh, an airline stock or a cruise ship stock or, you know, some crypto or whatever it is. Is there a way that I can actually use the money that I have here? Um, to be able to grow through this uh, or as a result of this and not just be able to survive it. It allows you to be able to think differently, which is then the linchpin for everything else that we're going to talk about going forward. So radically eliminating debt is really the key to all of this. Okay, from here then, it's time to start building up your savings. So as you eliminate your short and medium term debt, you're going to move into a period of tackling your longer term debt. A really good example of that is student loans. A lot of people might have a hundred thousand or $200,000 in student loans. Well, that kind of debt's going to take a while to pay off. And so you can continue to tackle it and so forth, but there's an opportunity for you to along with that, then start also thinking about some savings. My one student loan that I have, for example, it's not that much. Um, but, the re- like I said, the reason I'm not paying it off is because, well, if they decide to do forgiveness on th- those loans, I might as well take uh, that free money. So um, I'm just sort of making minimum payments on it for now. I, I won't do that forever. Uh, if something doesn't get done soon, then I'll just go ahead and, and pay it off. But uh, that's a good example of just kind of putting that on the back burner. Now I'm focusing more on savings and investment uh, and so forth. Now, when it comes to savings, I recommend that you have a full year's worth of "quote unquote" survival money saved. Now, a lot of people will tell you, "Hey, you want a, a full year of of a full year's salary saved up or whatever." You know, that might be a lot of money for for some people. Um, I don't think that you necessarily need a full year salary because that assumes that you're gonna continue to, if something ha- really bad happens, you're gonna continue to live the way that you've always lived and you're probably not going to, and you don't really need to. I mean, you, you shouldn't, to, 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 to be honest. So that's why I call it survival money. The money that you would need if you if you look at all of your bills and you're like, well, if things really got bad, I could get rid of that and I could get rid of that, my Netflix, my Disney, my this, my that, I could get rid of all of this stuff. The only things I really need are this. And that comes up to however much per month, and then you times that by 12, and that gives you your year's worth of survival money. And if you wanna pad it a little bit, by all means. But you wanna, that's your first aim. You wanna start building towards that full year. And the reason you want a full year, uh, the the coronavirus pandemic is a really good example. If you look at the coronavirus pandemic, I mean, it was a good, strong year where things were, were pretty bad. Um, and so if you only had six months of savings saved up, you could be in a tough spot after six months. So, and, and the reality is, is too, is that you probably will spend a little bit more than what you plan. So you wanna have a full year year's worth of, of survival money. If you go back and look at most of the recessions throughout history, they tend to be about a year. Uh, so again, that if you have that, that kind of just sort of gets you over the hump. Really, no matter what the recession is, what the problem is, I mean, there there are some that were longer for sure. Um, you know, but a year generally is going to put you in in a good spot. So that's that's sort of your aim. Um, but it's also important to recognize that savings accounts right now, for the most part, are essentially worthless. They don't. They're not going to earn you all they're not going to earn you very much interest on what you put in there. Um it's barely better than putting just having it in a checking account. So and they like they don't even they don't even keep up with inflation. So right now they're essentially worthless because interest rates are so low. So when I say savings that doesn't necessarily mean that you actually have a savings account. I don't have a I used to have a savings account. I don't have a savings account now. I I do different things with it. So mutual funds are are one example they're a bit more risky but not so risky that it's just this huge you know this huge risk that you're taking but they provide higher returns you know you might get a eight percent or a ten percent i mean some years some of the mutual funds will have a 30 percent growth you know some years they'll take a 20 percent hit too so it is a bit more risky um, but when you're thinking of savings and putting money into uh, an account and then letting that money, like having that money grow for you, not just sit there. You know, a mutual fund is or an index fund; those are good ways to be able uh, to do that. And you can still withdraw. There are tax implications, and I've, for some of the mutual funds, there may be penalties and so forth. So you gotta you gotta do some research. Um, but again, it it's 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 a place that you can put your money. Um, and have it actually grow for you as opposed to just sitting in a savings account and then you're gonna get, earn like 14 cents over the course of a year or whatever it is. You're not gonna learn any, earn very much of anything. Uh, a lot of crypto brain, banks is another example. They offer returns for holding certain cryptocurrencies. So for example, Coinbase has 4% if you hold uh, the USD coin. I think it's like 4.2 or 4.6 if you hold Tether. Uh, there's another one that they give you like 2% plus or whatever. Those aren't as high, there's not the eight or 10 that you're gonna get from a mutual fund, um, but they also are probably a little bit less risky. Um, the USD coin is tied to the US dollar, so there's not the, you don't have the volatility there. Um, and the way Coinbase does its lending for crypto um, is a little safer than some of the way, the way some of the other exchanges do it, so um, again, all of these things have risk. So you have to assess them, you have to research them. You shouldn't just do uh, what I'm saying and not do any of your own research. But these are options of, of ways you can put your savings into something that's actually going to grow uh, you know, at a fairly significant rate that's not just completely pennies um, so that your savings over time actually gets better without you necessarily having to put more money into it. That's the whole idea behind smart sa- uh, savings. They offer crypto back on purchases uh, which can help you build a kind of savings. so coinbase for example offers four percent um cash back quote unquote in the stellar lumens crypto so what a lot of people do is they'll use that as their reward they'll get four percent cash back in the stellar lumens and then they'll just take that stellar lumens and they'll convert it over into something else like ethereum or bitcoin a more well-established um, you could convert it over into USD coin. You can convert it over into cash, whatever you want to do. Um, but that, that allows you to get money back for the purchases you make. So you have, you're earning interest when it's sitting there in the account, but then you're also earning interest whenever you make any sort of purchases. So you, you sort of earn interest either way. You know, just investing in crypto itself could be considered a kind of savings if you believe that it's going up over time. So if you buy a Bitcoin now, Right? and it's at 40, whatever it is, let's say $50,000, and then it suddenly, you know, over the next year, it goes up, or two years, goes up to $100,000, you've essentially made $50,000 doing nothing. Okay, So that can be a kind of savings if you believe it's going up over time. Now, of course, it could go down too, which means you'd be lo- losing savings. So there's risk there. You have to evaluate that, and it kind of comes down to what you believe in terms of, of crypto if it's going up or if it's going down whatever but that's a option of where you can put your money the whole point is is that again smart savings means putting it somewhere it'll appreciate faster than inflation otherwise you're actually losing money uh, if you're if you're just putting it in a savings account you know the let's say you have fifty thousand dollars in there the purchasing power of that fifty thousand dollars next year is going to be less than what it is this year so you're not going to be able to. You're actually losing money having it sitting there in savings. So smart savings is about putting it somewhere where it's going to grow faster than inflation, so you're not actually losing money. Now, as I've mentioned a few times, different vehicles have different risks, so you need to do your research. You need to understand those risks. You need to act accordingly. I'm not a financial advisor, so um, you know don't take this as hard fast you know information or whatever. But do do your research, understand the risks, and then and then act accordingly. So that's smart savings. That's the second thing that you're going to do as you move into paying off longer term debt. Um, You can start also uh, alongside that building up your smart savings to get you towards that year and do it in a way where you're getting some returns on the money so that you can get to that year's worth of savings faster than what you would if you're just having to put the money, all the money in uh, yourself. All right, so this ends your free preview of the full episode, which is a part of my Let's Talk freelance course. This happens to be episode number two of that Let's Talk freelance course. In the full episode, some of the things that you're going to learn, the no BS, everything goes to hell in a handbasket survival plan that's been developed by a grumbly mountain man living uh, who lives in a small cabin in the woods. I'll let you guess who that is. <laughs> so I'll show you how a broke truck driver slashed $42,000 in debt in a single year Bought his dream home and landed his dream job, all while making less, not more money. Point being, you don't need to be a billionaire in order to be financially free. There's some simple things that you can do uh, to slash slash debt and be financially free uh, without necessarily even increasing the income that you're making now. Also show you why most savings accounts are not just useless, but actually losing you money and what you should do instead. Five asset. Assets anyone can easily own to insulate you from pandemics, recessions, hyperinflation, and virtually any kind of financial crisis without having to stack MREs in your underground bu- bunker. Also, show you how wealthy investors profit from both the natural boom and bust cycle of the economy. So some simple ways uh, to benefit from both the ups and the downs that don't require you, know, you to have millions or a crack investment team to take advantage of also show you what i call the freelance holy trinity so three simple offers that you can make to maximize what you earn from your freelance skill set so one skill and then you can have multiple ways to profit from that in a way that doesn't create a lot of extra work or a lot of overhead extra overhead for you so show you seven different ways to create what i call open ended income so income that's not tied to your time or work so that you can take the lid off of what you earn by decoupling from that time for money paradigm also show you the big mistake my dad made that cost him his house his car his business buried him in debt and was the cause of the poverty that I and my brothers experienced uh, as children and what you can do to protect yourself from making that same mistake so you you're not one bad thing happens and suddenly you you lose everything how to protect yourself from that Now, of course, there's going to be a lot more that I also cover in that particular lesson. And just in general, Let's Talk Freelance, uh, just so you know, is about sharing the insights, the wisdom, sort of the big strategies that I've learned in my 17 years as a freelancer to try to take everything, all the experience that I have doing this and funnel it back to you for you to use in ways uh, that make sense for you to help you get down that path of freelancing to be more successful as a freelancer. So I'm just trying to take everything that I've learned and sort of give it back. And sometimes that doesn't always fit in sort of a finite course about a particular topic. So this has become sort of a a bit of a catch-all for me to just share uh, some of the big things that I've learned uh, over the years. Now, it's not going to contain anything that's whiz-bang or that one weird trick. So if that's what you're looking for, uh, then this isn't going to be for you. It's really about deeper truths and fundamentals and understandings that that can really help to see you through all the ups and downs that are inherent to freelancing and online business and how to continue to grow, how to continue to succeed, no matter what's going on around you, no matter how the world changes, you know, what's going on in the economy, et cetera, et cetera allowing you to stay focused uh, on what really matters and allow you to continue to grow and be successful through all of that. So if that's in, that interests you, then there are two ways to get access to the course. Of course, it's over on Skillshare. It's episode number two in my Let's Talk Freelance course there. Uh, you can learn more about the course and the Skillshare free trial at myjohn.us/lt. F. The other way is over on Patreon if you prefer that. There you can also get access to every episode of Let's Talk Freelance plus access to all of my past courses on web development, freelancing, uh, etc. So if you're interested in that route, you can go to myjohn.us slash Patreon. Again, Let's Talk Freelance will be avail- available in both places. And I'll drop links in the description as well. All right, that's it. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time.